um, being challenged there by this piece of cheese that's in the trap. But one of the things that you and I have to understand is we're in warfare every day. Life is not a game, it's a war. And this little guy isn't equipped too well. I don't think he stands much of a chance with just that little helmet on. But one of the things I want to challenge you and ask you tonight is, how are you equipped uh, with where you are in your walk with the Lord? And I'm addressing this to Christians of 20, 30 years, as well as new believers. Where are you? And one of the things I want to show you tonight that the Lord has put on my heart for a few weeks in preparing this message is, are you taking the necessary steps to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are things taking place in your life that you are really seeing a deeper walk with the Lord? One of the things this summer, my daughter Ashley and I are privileged to go to uh, three Christian sports camps every summer. And sometimes we go overseas with it. But this year in Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and in Middletown, New Jersey, we had week-long camps. And the theme this year was game changers, being a game changer for the Lord. And, of course, Jesus Christ is the greatest game changer. He changed the whole playing field when he died on the cross, and he really rocked the boat when he rose from the dead. So even like tonight, Paul, uh, we were just saying just before he sat down, you know, the enemy can do whatever that he wants to do, but we are approaching everything from victory. In other words, he can throw the curveballs, he can cause, you know, things to be out of sync. But hey, the Lord's in control. And what is he trying to show us with the things that are going on? How many people yesterday with the earthquake were shaken up? I mean, look at the news, you know, how they've been talking about it. But you and I know that one of the things that our Bible says, God's love letter to us says, is there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be things going on. And boy, here it is right on the East Coast. You know, it's right here. Ashley was visiting her sister, and uh, one of the driveways of one of her friends was cracked right down the middle, right here in Cherry Hill area. So right here in Jersey, and just think about that. That happened down in the south, in Virginia or wherever the epicenter was. And just think of the it traveled so fast up here, yet the Lord is holding all of it together. Whew. How powerful is he to hold it all together? But just think of that tremor, the 5.9, was felt all the way up to Boston. The Lord wants to rock us. He wants to shake us. The reason he does that, he's a great, great God who cares for every single one of us. And the thing he's trying to do is bring us into a deeper relationship with him by the power of his Holy Spirit. Are we ready for that ride? Do we want to go to that next level with him? Hopefully the answer is yes. But one of the things that's important, as we'll see in this whole series, is the equipment that you have on. It's got to be a lot better than this little guy, this little friend of ours here. You know, that's not a good position to be in. But yet the enemy is out there trying to set traps for us. He wants to take us down. He wants to injure us spiritually. He does, doesn't want us to have an impact on the world. He doesn't want us to have an impact on the person sitting next to you. And that's very important to understand. Let's take a look. 
before we move on to, at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, these are promises. We're going to see something in the Barnapole. Uh, one of the things we're going to look at tonight are just some statistics. And the Barnapole is a, um, it's located in Ventura, California, and it's considered the leading research organization focused on the intersection of faith and culture, and it's a Christian polling group. Okay, so we're going to see some of those uh, stats tonight, and it's pretty alarming, some of the stuff that's going on, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. The Bible says that the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, in the first verse that we just read, 2 Corinthians, it talks about that you're the beloved of God. Think about that. The creator of the universe loves you individually, loves me individually. Loved us before we even knew him. Think about that. He loved you before he even knew you. Now, from a human perspective, how impossible is that? How could we love somebody we don't even know? But yet, before we knew him, he loved us. And he had a plan for each one of us. Regardless of your age, regardless of your sex, regardless of where you are in your walk with the Lord. He has a definite purpose and plan for each of you. Are you where he wants you to be tonight? Or are you just going along for the ride? Or are you actively involved where he wants you to be? And my challenge to you is regardless of your age, regardless of how long you've been walking with the Lord, he has dynamic things he wants to do in and through you. And it could be starting tonight. It could be right now that he's trying to stir your heart up. Because one of the things that's happening, and this is not... I mean, some of this is prophetic, but some of the things are happening right now, and they're going to continue to happen right until Jesus comes again. And this particular verse here from 1 Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, the thing that always hits me right between the eyes is that part that says, depart from the faith. How strong is your faith? We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. But how actively are you hearing God's word? How actively are you and I reading his word? Is, is it just today and Sunday? Is that the only time that we're hearing God's word? They say that in the course of a day, you go through about 300 pages of something, whether it's uh, index cards or going through a magazine, uh, turning pages of anything. You touch about 300 pages a day. Now, I'll be, I'll be seeing if that's true. Next time I'll start a day, I'll be saying, I'm going to see how many, pa I'm not going to count them, I'm going to say, boy, I did touch a lot of pages today. But of the pages that you touch, how many have God's word on it? How many are you taking things into your mind and your heart from what you're reading that's pertaining to God's word? And if not, what is getting in there? And are you filtering it? Are you aware of what's going in? 
to your spirit. Because that's going to affect how you react and do things during the course of that day. Now, this should concern us because these are people of faith in 1 Timothy that are going to depart from the faith. Now, the percentages are pretty good that that would include some of us in this room. That we're going to depart from the faith in the latter days. Now, if this is the latter days, that should be something that says, oh, I'm not going to be one of those guys or girls that's going to depart from the faith. It's not going to be me. Well, we need to understand that there's things that we need to be doing to make sure that we are in the spirit and abiding in the vine. It's easy to be a long-the-ride type of Christian. But understand that whether it's Pastor Paul, Pastor Mike, Pastor Joe, any of the elders, when we're teaching, we're just teaching you what the Lord has put in on our hearts. We're ministering to the Lord and being faithful to Him, but we're also giving it to you to stir up your heart so you do the exact same thing. You see, you're out there right now, but the Lord's building you up for purposes and, and things that he has planned for you to do. No one is more important than anybody else. The ground at the foot of the cross is all level. And that's important to understand. You have a specific purpose, and your um, role in the body of Christ is to edify the other people that are in this room. And there's so many different people here. But what God has given you helps me, helps the person next to you. We're all part of that. We're living stones being built up, being worked on to fit together as the body of Christ. Now, the other thing that we see in 1 Timothy 4 is notice what's going to happen. They're going to give into deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They're going to give in to spirits, the supernatural world. You know, think of, I think the uh, percentage is one out of every three movies that are out there, or one out of every four, has something to do with the supernatural. Think of the uh, shows on TV. If they're not uh, full of uh, adultery and fornication, and homosexuality and all these other things, well, they're usually dealing with witches or uh, wizards or some sort of supernatural phenomenon. Do you think that is a coincidence that those things are going on in an age where four out of five people in the United States say they're Christians? Is that a factual stat? When people were polled, four out of five people said they were Christians. I don't know. What is a Christian? You know, what defines you being a Christian? There are religions today, and there are, there are many famous individuals, um, Pastor Bell on the West Coast, uh, Joel Osteen, Some multi-mega, multi-million dollar, billion dollar religions that are starting to take on some of the symbols 
that are in here. Now, Jesus Christ said he was the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father except through him. Yet there are so-called Christian churches that are picking up some of the philosophies that are on this flower or whatever this purple thing is up here. And you can see it from Judaism to New Age to Islam to uh, Christianity down here to the occult, you know, uh, to the um, earth and Mother Nature and uh, Egyptian. There's a lot of religions and philosophies that are infiltrating the Christian church. And that's important to understand that these things are going on. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. But this is something, is the church, and I can stand here and say, the church that you're in right now is purely devoted to the Word of God. Because I know many of you, we wouldn't be here if it was anything else but that. We'd be out of here. There's no allegiance to a building or a a denomination or a non-denomination. We want to glorify God and grow in the grace and knowledge of Him as a body of believers. And that's important because it's not happening in all the churches in the United States or throughout the world. How is your walk? How is your individual walk? How are you doing today? How is your day today? Can we identify with this guy? He's just bathing. Looks like he's in a jacuzzi. Well, that's not a jacuzzi he's in. That's cooking him. He's not going to be smiling too long, but look at him. He thinks nothing's wrong. He thinks everything's okay. He's having a blast. But many will depart from the faith. Many people who are believers in Jesus Christ or say they are believers in Jesus Christ, the scripture says they're going to depart from the faith. Why? How's that going to happen? Well, we saw they're going to believe lying spirits and, and listen to teachings of demons. How's that going to happen? Well, I think one of the things that's already happening in some of the so-called Christian churches because they don't even use God's word. We're fortunate, we, you know, within a seven, eight year period, and many of you have been in the Calvary chapels for years, you've been through the Bible, or you're almost through Genesis to Revelation. You're getting the whole counsel of God. You're not getting bits and pieces. But how many of us are just sitting back, coasting, thinking everything's okay, when if you look at the life of, a, uh, like Paul, Paul was a hard worker. Paul was going after, wasn't he, when he was uh, teaching and traveling and reaching others for the, with the gospel. It wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't an easy life for Paul. How's our life as Christians? Are we being challenged? Are we moving out and taking steps of faith? Are we being presented opportunities and say, okay, you know, I've got to try that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in there. 2 Corinthians 7, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Now notice where the filthiness is. Of the flesh and the spirit. So what is it that's contaminated in our flesh? What's contaminated in our spirit? And notice it says, perfect in holiness in the fear of God. 
Now remember, definition of holiness, and I've heard uh, Pastor Mike say it and Pastor Joe say it over the last month or two of teaching, it's that sanctification, it's that being set apart. Now it's always a blessing, and I think as I grow, because of God's grace, as I start seeing things more and more, it's always cool to see who's out here on a Wednesday or who's out here on a Sunday or who's getting involved in ministry because we know that's God's Holy Spirit on you. And again, regardless of where you are here tonight, whether you're a thinking about accepting Christ, just accepted Christ, or have had Christ living in you for 10 plus, 20 plus years, God's hand is on you. Understand that. You're not here out of tradition. It shouldn't be. You're not here because of tradition. There's a reason God's Spirit is pulling you here. Because He wants to fill you up. And the way God has designed it, it says we shouldn't stop fellowshipping together. We should be interacting with one another. We should be breaking, literally, breaking bread and eating together. And hanging out with each other and getting to know each other. That's so important. And I see that happening. A couple weeks ago, there was somebody upstairs after a service says, boy, there's a buzz in the church. And that just like psyched us up so much, the leadership in the church. There's a buzz. Well, that buzz is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grabbing hearts. There's things going on here. Now, I've been a Christian for a while, but I'll tell you something. I get chills when I say that to you right now, that God is doing a magnificent work in the individual lives of people in this church and as, a, as the church as a whole body here. There's exciting things. And there's going to be an explosion. There's going to be an explosion of God's spirit, and things are going to take place that we're just going to know it's totally God, like the things that are going on. Why? Because we're being humble and understand it's him. It's only him. I'll say this. I'm a dirtbag. Saved by Jesus Christ. There's only reason I'm standing here tonight is because of Jesus. It's nothing I've done. In spite of what I've done, he's allowed me to have the privilege to share some things with you. All of you, in the sound of God's word, God has shown his favor on you. He's allowing you to hear of him. But there is an enemy that's trying to keep you, that wants to keep you in the filthiness of your flesh, wants to keep you in the filthiness of your spirit. And I love when I, and, and I have friends, family, and fortunately my, some of my, uh, most of my family has come to know the Lord over the years. But, you know, you just think about this, filthiness of the flesh and filthiness of the spirit and God just wanted to make us holy and set us apart but there are deceivers there's philosophy there's teachings there's TV there's the music there's the magazines there's friends that try to get you off course and they might not even be trying to do it it's just their nature if they're not born again they're fleshly and the fleshly nature is a death nature. But when we're born again, and that's where I was going, I, I had a, a moment that I lost something. It just came back, I think. <laughs> you must be born again, Jesus said. And I know that some of my friends in other religions have said, oh, you're one of those born again Christians. 
And my question is, is there any other type, especially when Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's good enough for me. If I'm one of those born again Christians, yes, because that's what Jesus said. If Jesus didn't say that, then I'm not one of those. But he did say that. So I want to be under that category. I'm a born again Christian. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the only kind of Christian there is. Everything else is fake out time. It's deception. It doesn't cut it. When Jesus says one day to somebody, I never knew you, but Lord, I prophesied in your name. You know, I went to church in your name. I said prayer. I even read the Bible. And Jesus is going to say to people, I never knew you. Oh, that's heavy. They thought they knew him, but he never knew them. That's got to be a, a, like a red light type of thing. That's got to be a siren that goes pretty loud in your head. Are we taking the steps necessary to know that we are abiding in Jesus Christ, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? Do we see him doing dynamic things inside our heart that we can't keep it inside and we just got to explode out? Think about it. It's got to happen. There's got to be a passion. There's got to be something that's, that's different in your heart. And please, younger people, older people, it doesn't matter. You're all living forever. Amen. You're all living forever. Heck with this age thing. There's no generation gap in the body of Christ if you're all abiding in the vine. Believe me, I've been teaching teenagers for 36 years and by some of my administrators, they think that I'm younger than them sometimes. But that's a good thing. I like that. That's all right. That's cool. But I know it's the Lord. doesn't matter. Caleb, what about Caleb when he was 80 years old? He was taking a mountain. So you guys that are 60s or 70s, and you're not in the 80s yet, you still got like 10 or 15 years if the Lord is uh, still doing a neat work and, and he doesn't want to take you home yet. Let's find some mountains. Let's go get them. If the Lord's going to be with you, what do, we, who, what do we care our age? We're living forever. You understand? You're living forever. Death is an earthly term. Death is an earthly term. We're living forever. But are we doing what God is calling us to do while we're here on this earth? All right, here's that thing. Most Americans, roughly four out of five, consider themselves to be Christians. Now, the verse that hit my heart is then, is that one, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? It's easy to say you're a Christian, but if you're not listening to the one who brought about Christianity and you're not following him, how can you say you're a Christian? Oh, I'm a giant fan. I love the football giants, but I wear jet gear. <laughs> I love the New York Yankees, but I don't even know what the name of their stadium is. And I never, I, I pick up a golf club to play baseball. Why would I do that? I, I don't know what I'm talking about. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it's the same way. It doesn't make sense when people call themselves Christians, but how do they identify themselves as Christians? Or how do you identify them as a Christian? And it's only by trial and error, right? It's only over a course of time that you'll even know. And you might never know until you see them in heaven. Bible reading. 62% um, drop-off in the last 20 years. 
It used to be 71% of the people who said they were Christians would read the Bible. Now it's dropped down to around 62%. And this does not count like when you're in church. This is just on your own. Now, they said the self-identified born-again believers that you said, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian. 48% of the people that were polled said they were born-again Christians. But yet, four out of five considered themselves to be Christians. Hmm. Okay. How, what's the criteria? Jesus said, you must be born again. I'm not born again? Pray for me, Jack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The next thing is involved in church. People involved in church. Down to 29% of the people who attend church participate and get actively involved in church. Okay? Now, that's just a general poll of people who call themselves born-again Christians. But it's a challenge. You know, how are, you know, how are you plugged into your family at home? Are you involved 29% with your, your birth family? No, probably not. This, I think that's probably impossible. How about the church family? Do you see yourself actively involved? Do you see yourself being challenged? Do you see yourself being mentored? Do you see yourself getting into ministry? Are you exercising the things that you're taking in? I remember the challenge I was given one time. It's like the Jordan River that flows down into the Sea of Galilee. Then the Sea of Galilee continues down the Jordan River, but it ends up into the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is dead because it has no outlet. Everything ends up there. Am I like the Dead Sea, taking in all the healthy water, the Word of God, all the teaching I'm getting, but I'm just keeping it and I don't have an outlet? I'm not pouring it some other place. Then I'm just dead. I'm just dead. Do you have an outlet for everything that's being poured into you here at Calvary Chapel as you take in the word, as you meditate, as you pray, as you interact? Church attendance is down from 66% to 59%. But remember, this is among those people that call themselves Christians. The Bible says don't stop meeting together. We're living stones feeding off each other and God's building us up as a bride of Christ. Internet, I mean, if you're sick and down, you turn on the internet and you listen to teaching, that's awesome. But there's something that's dynamic, the koinonia, the fellowship of coming together, interacting, whether it's here. I mean, that's one of the things, right? I know the pastors always say from the pulpit, oh, hey, go talk as much as you want when you're introducing each other. It's great to hear the noise and stuff when you're shaking hands at the beginning of a service. That's healthy. That's vibrant. That's life. You know, it's not a morgue out there. There's, there's things taking place. Forty-three <clears> percent <throat> of self-identified Christians believe the accuracy of the Bible. Whew, that's heavy. 43% of self-identified Christians believe the accuracy of the Bible. That means 57% do not believe in the accuracy of the principles in the Bible. Now, remember that verse, the doctrines of demons? If you're not believing God's word, 
and you don't have, if you're not learning the whole counsel of the Word of God, what about the enemy slipping things in that sound good from some of those various religions? And it's creeping into churches, everybody, the Hinduism, the Islam, the New Age. There's things going in to Christian churches that are watering down God's Word. And then the lamp, the God's Word is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. If you don't have a strong foundation in God's Word, well, how easy is it for you and me to be off course, to get off course because of the lies of the enemy? Very disturbing stat is that last one, that Satan is a symbol of evil, is a symbol of evil, but not a living entity. And that stands at about 53% of self-identified Christians believe that he's just a symbol of evil. Where do we go to find out that he's more than a symbol? He's a very created being. Well, Jesus in the, with the temptation in the desert. That was a one-on-one -on -one confrontation with Satan. You go into Isaiah, you can read about, you know, the foundation. Mike with the teaching in Genesis, with chapter 3, what was going on there. I mean, it's all over the scriptures. Jesus would not have said that he's, there's a devil, if there wasn't a devil. He would have said about this whole thing of, uh, that it's a, he's a symbol of evil. No, he's not a symbol. He's a real created being that has an army that's trying to take the world out, wants every individual in the world dead. And if you're a born-again believer, he wants to put you on the shelf. He wants to disarm you, spiritually speaking, so you can't be one of those living stones in the body of Christ. Now, that's the sad news. The glad news is on the other side of the screen. And I'm just going to read some of those um, off Psalm 138.2 says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. How important is God's word that he magnifies it? He puts it above his name. That's how important his word is to God himself. Yet to these self-professed Christians, the Bible's not very important. And who loves to hear that? And who's filling in the gaps when they don't know the whole counsel of God's word? Who's filling in the gaps in your life if you don't know God's word? See, we're up here as uh, teachers, ministers of God's word to stir you up so you do your own reading. This is just a pep talk for you to dive into the scriptures yourself. This shouldn't be the nuts and bolts of everything. This just gets you motivated to dive in and find out more what God wants to say to you through his love letter. Are you doing that? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only way your faith's going to grow is if you hear God's word and read it and take it in. Acts 12 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And I can say that, I see that happening here in this building, amen? You're hearing the word, 
It's growing and it's multiplying. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the place to be. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And I see that going on too. That's a sign of a healthy body. We're in the apostles' doctrine. We're in the scriptures. We're fellowshipping together. We're breaking bread together, whether it be spiritually speaking when we have communion. And I've seen a lot of you eat right down here in this room and you have some good appetites and, and we break bread together. And I know there's prayer going on in the church because none of this would be taking place unless there were some solid prayers going on by the prayer warriors of this church. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. I want you to take a moment and think about who has touched your life in this church. Who has encouraged you? Who has maybe brought out some of uh, a gift that God has given you? Who's stirring you up for good works? Now, let me throw something else at you. How about you? What do you have to stir me up or to have to stir up the person next to you? What is that? You're all dynamite. You're all Jesus dynamite. You're all TNT that the Lord just wants to have you explode to blast all over people that are in this body. Seriously, you're the Lord's dynamite. Are you going to let him light the fuse? Do you want more of his Holy Spirit? You know, we can never get enough of God while we're on this earth. There's never enough that we could ever do that we're going to have. Okay, that's it. I'm done. What's next? That's never going to happen. God wants to continually fill you every single day. Every day. Are you allowing him to do that? Is that a prayer of yours? Even when you go to bed at night, Lord, while I'm sleeping, just speak to my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And just when I get out of bed, let me just flow and just splash all over people today. Is that a prayer of your heart? It should be. To be imitators of Jesus, think of the impact he had when he was on this earth. For those three years, think of what he accomplished in three years of ministry. What can he do with you and me? 1 Peter 2.5 You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Do you understand that you're priest in God's kingdom? Guys and girls, you're priest in God's kingdom. You know what that means? You represent God before the unsaved world. You represent God before the people who don't even know, never opened the Bible. They're reading you. The Holy Spirit in you is set in a blaze that's going through you, that's attracting somebody to you. Are you, are you spiritually sensitive enough to know that that person's in your life because God loves them and wants to love them even more through you? That's pretty awesome. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And we can never lose sight of that, right? That all of this is glory of the Father through Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's through the Trinity. 
And the last verse, Hebrews 10, um, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner is of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? Well, the day when we're face to face with Jesus Christ, when he comes back to take us home or we go to meet with him, there is that day coming. Are you ready today to meet him face to face? If you're not, get ready. What are you waiting for? Why would you do that? That's not too intelligent. For nobody knows the day or the hour, right? Death knows no age. It can be a little infant or it can be an older person. But let's take advantage of the time we have in the body of Christ to be a light to everybody who comes into this place. And when we leave here, we're just a light to wherever God sends us. Galatians 5, 19 to 21 says, People's desires make them give in to immoral ways, filthy thoughts, and shameful deeds. They worship idols, practice witchcraft, hate others, and are hard to get along with. People become jealous, angry, and selfish. They not only argue and cause trouble, but they are envious. They get drunk, they carry on at wild parties, they do other evil things as well. I told you before, and I am telling you again, no one who does these things will share in the blessings of God's kingdom. There's some heavy, heavy things in there. But again, remember the filthiness of the flesh what we should be seeing as God is clean as up from the inside out is that we're further and further removed from the things that we might have been taken part of in the past. But understand that as we continue to be involved with any of these things, those teachings and the doctrines of demons, boy, things are just going to get in there that's going to separate us from the leading of God's Holy Spirit. Is that where you want to be? Is that where I want to be? In the next few minutes as I close here, and we'll pick up on this in a month or so, the Americans' involvement with the supernatural and the occult. 73% of our youth, and I also want to address this to, I think of it, you know, even for the older people here. Think of your first contact with any kind of thing in the supernatural and the occult. Think of the first time you heard anything about a wizard or a witch. I can remember, probably when I was five or six years old, and some of you know what I'm gonna say, is I was, I was on that yellow brick road, and there was a witch there. There was a couple witches. There was a good witch and there was a bad witch. There was also a wizard. Boy, but well, what a movie. I remember watching that every year it came out. And I have the DVD at home right now. <laughs> But when you think of this, think about the doctrines of demons, thinking about, like, is it easy to believe a lie, like a real big lie, if you're not set up for the lie? Like if somebody just um, came up to you and said, hey, your, your head fell off, it's over on the ground. Would you believe that? Probably not, because that's a pretty big lie, you know? But now, if your finger was over there and your 
toe was over there and your ear was over there. And I said, hey, your head's about to fall off and you're seeing all these other body parts. Well, you can probably assume that, hey, this could be a possibility. This might not be as big a lie as it was when I heard your head was going to fall off. You've got to understand something. I deal with 7th graders to 12th graders. So I try to break it down. If I can understand it, I figure they can. So whatever that's worth. So 70% of our youth have got some sort of involvement or had some sort of involvement with the occult. But again, I want to address that to the teenagers in here. I want to address that to the 20s, 30s, and maybe even older. Okay, now some of the things that fall into that involvement in the occult are horoscopes, Ouija boards, any books and games on the occult, maybe taking part in a seance, palm reading, fortune telling, going to a psychic, spirit guides, things like that. Bible says you shall not permit a sorceress to live, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices these things, it's a lie. Now, there's one thing I want to go back to, and I don't think it's up here for some reason. I might have went by it. I'm missing one thing. And... Paul, is there any place I can go? I need that one picture to wrap up on. Um, give me one second, everybody. Let me just see. No, I don't see it here. Okay. No, this was the one it was on. That's okay. Be another time in another place. But I'll wrap up with this then. Let me just make sure, because this picture... What, sweetie? Right there? Or PowerPoint? No? No? Okay. All right. In wrapping up here tonight, yoga, transcendental meditation, contemplative prayer, mind dynamics, flotation tanks, hypnosis, hypnosis of fortune tellers, mind-altering drugs are various things that can get people off the track in their walk with Jesus Christ. Some of these practices have infiltrated the Christian churches. Virtual reality to get you into an altered state of consciousness. There's over 10 million soul and mind control centers in the United States. There's techniques that are used to get rid of stress and also to implement self-defense. But some of those things are using occult practices to uh, teach those things. I already mentioned that one out of three films have something to do with extraterrestrials or spiritual phenomena. Spirit guides, Christian terminologies, where they're using a lot of things with angels, Christ consciousness, the term Christ consciousness, where they're not talking about Jesus Christ, but just a supernatural type of consciousness. Global unity. So these are some of the things 
that we're going to look at over the next few months when uh, I continue the teaching on um, holiness. But God says for us to come out and be separate. Are you ready to do that? Is that something that you say, hey, I want to do that. Lord, I want to step out. I want to be holy. I want to be consecrated unto your use. I want you to fill me daily with your Holy Spirit. Hopefully that is a prayer of yours. And if you haven't been getting into God's word daily, do it. Just get into his word before you do anything. Read it before when you fall asleep. And I get an iPod, stick it in your ear, listen to the scriptures or to a teaching. I started that two or three years ago. And I can tell you right now, the difference it's made in my life is fantastic. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. It'll be out. I'll plug it back in, put on a teaching or some uh, Christian music, and I'll fall back to sleep. But it'll be just pumping into my spirit. Because I know what happened before when I didn't do that. I know the filthiness of the flesh and the effect on my spirit when I'm not continually trying to walk in the God's spirit and allowing him to work on my heart. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time we had together. Lord, I just pray now for everybody that's here.